0: Hey, folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. I have a guest on the show today. His name is Joe Daniels. Joe is an outstanding individual. He is a a PhD. He is a civil engineer. He is also the founder of Build Community Through Love. And Joe's doing some amazing things here in Northwest Arkansas. And we actually met, when I was introduced to him by a very, very dear friend of mine. And whenever this individual says I need to meet somebody, I make time to meet them. And so Joe was kind enough. And I don't know if he bought me coffee or if I bought him coffee, but regardless, we sat down at an Onyx there on Greg in Fayetteville and just got a chance to meet each other and talk. And it was just a really uplifting conversation. You know, it's kind of one of those conversations where you're talking to somebody and you're like, man, I feel like I've known this person for a long time. And so we built our friendship from there. And one day I said, hey, Joe, I got to get you on the podcast. I want to talk about what you're doing, both in your professional life, as well as with some of the things that you have decided to speak up about in our community. And so without further ado, Joe Daniels, how are you doing this afternoon?
1: I'm doing good, man. Happy to be here with you. Finally, we've been talking about this on and off the record for a long time. So I'm finally happy to be here. Absolutely. And it's so funny because like other people were like,
0: Oh, you need to get this guy on your podcast, and they were, you know, and they would mention your name as if I didn't know you, and I was like, oh yeah, I know Joe, and I'm like, yeah, we we have talked about it, and and you know, it is a small, especially for for people of color in Northwest Arkansas. This is a small community, and you know, it's not that we all know each other, okay? Because let's not make that case, because even all white people don't know all white people, so that's not the deal. The bottom line is, we just happen to have made a connection, and we have maintained that connection. So. Joe, I'd love for you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your superhero origin story and actually how you ended up here in Northwest Arkansas.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I was born in DC, raised in Silver Spring, Maryland. So I did pretty much kindergarten through or preschool through senior year of high school in Silver Spring, Maryland. My dad's a pastor. My mom worked 35 plus years for the federal government and human resources. I have an older sister. She is now, I'm praying for her and all of her colleagues. She's a teacher in Silver Spring, Maryland in Montgomery County. She teaches special needs children. So right now she's doing a lot of great work, but still trying to stay safe while providing for the community in the academic realm. I went to North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University in Greensboro, North Carolina for my undergrad. I got a BS in civil engineering and then I just wasn't ready to leave the higher education world. So I think my inflection point with education really came at a, I was very active in the National Society of Black Engineers or like what folks called DESB in undergrad. And so I went to a convention, I think my junior year of college, and they put up on the stage, maybe seven or eight Black students who graduated with their PhD. And someone said, you know, in engineering alone, there's under 1% of those who graduate with their PhD in engineering in the United States are black. And so I said, "Well, I have a 3.97 GPA. You know, there's no reason why I can't be, you know, one to add to that statistic." So I looked at some stuff. I was connected with some guys out here, the University of Arkansas, and then when it came to it, the University of Arkansas gave me the best package to pursue a PhD in civil engineering, and so that's what brought me to Northwest Arkansas back in 2013.
0: Wow. Yeah. No, I, I remember when you told me that, I was like, man, you just, I mean, you've got, you've got it in spades in terms of just your skill set and understanding. And of course, we had a good conversation about that because I've worked in the design industry space for more than two decades. And so it's, it is, not that it's rare, but you don't really come across a lot of African Americans that have achieved some of the stuff that you've achieved, even in your short period of time. And you went to North Carolina A&T, which is a historically black college. Just like Howard University, my alma mater is a historically black college. And actually, what a lot of people don't know is that North Carolina A&T actually produces the most engineers out of any historically black college, period, end of story. I mean, and they have been at the top of that list for a long time, along with Howard and Fisk and a few other schools. So. You know, it says a lot that you know you were able to bring your talents here to Northwest Arkansas, and you know take advantage of of what this area has to offer. So, how has it been living here, working here, studying here?
1: It's been different. I've been living in the South since 2009. You know, being born and raised in the in the Metro Washington DC area, I was very fast paced. Um, there's a lot of things to do. Once I got out here, it was slow pace. Not a lot of things to do, but the the barriers to meeting people and connecting with people are so much different here than they are back in the Metro Washington, DC. I feel like in DC you have a lot of silos and your credibility and your credentials is what allows you to meet, you know, a certain certain class and certain groups of people here, you know, those barriers of entry based on, you know, your class, based on what your job title is. You know, based on how much you have in the bank, those things aren't as, you know, hard to be able to meet different people. So I've just enjoyed, I've enjoyed living here because of the slower pace, but most importantly, I've enjoyed living here because I can meet people like you, but I can form relationships with people who are just all across the spectrum. And it doesn't require me to have, you know, the highest of highs or a certain income to be able to fall in line with certain groups of people. So I've enjoyed it here so far.
0: Yeah, no, and I love that. That's great. And, and you and your wife are here and, and you guys are really making your mark here in Northwest Arkansas. So tell me, I mean, with everything that you're doing in civil engineering, and, and I know you work for a firm up in up in the, the rogers Pittonville area, you had time to do, you've done a number of things since you've been here. And one of the things that I thought was really cool was you made a commitment to connecting with 100 people just to have coffee. And I was one of that, that 100 people. And I, I would be curious to know, and I'd love for you to just share your why behind doing that endeavor. And a couple of things, I'd love to get some of your takeaways from that experience of just connecting with people without any type of, of request or ask or anything like that, but just literally having coffee with folks. What, how did that inform you, Joe Daniels?
1: For sure. So I finished my doctoral studies. And I also, as I was finishing that, I was in the entrepreneurship program at the University of Arkansas as well. And so coffee is like a thing there. Like They have a whole wall of coffee mugs where you can come, find your name, grab coffee. It's an open space. It's almost like a WeWorks in sorts where you can come, work on your own projects. But the collaboration energy that's in that space is always amazing. And so as I was finishing up my dissertation and I graduated in t- 2018, I was moving, just being a part of that program, going to different business plan competitions. But in that space, I was trying to you know, network and communicate with different people from the standpoint of doing customer discovery for this new venture that we were looking to build within that program. In that customer discovery, I started having coffees with people around the idea of what I was looking for. But I found that you know, connecting with people in general was just a, a cool thing that allowed you to just build and grow your network. And so as I was talking to the people who were over that program, I said, hey, I would love to talk to such and such. Do you know anybody in that? And they say, yeah, we can connect you with you know, this person here, this person there. And so after a while, you know, being a newly found doctor, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was, it, the, the barriers of entry of meeting with people when they say, hey, Dr. Daniels wants to meet with you. It became a little bit easier to get into those doors and having these meetings. The difference between doing customer discovery for a topic or just having coffee that I found was, you know, when you disarm a conversation with the perfect stranger that you never met but have been recommended by somebody else, you allow that person to come to the table with a certain set of energy where you know that I'm not being pitched or not getting ready to be asked something. And so it really happened organically. The challenge of doing 100 was just saying, if I do, you know, if I meet two people a week, you know, for 50 weeks, <laughs> you know, I can reach, right. I can reach 100 people in a year. So it kind of became a goal just to see, you know, just to kind of meet more people and communicate with more people. But there's a thing I think, especially in our generation of those who are in college of only meeting people because there's some kind of transactional. Something that's transactional that needs to happen in order for me to get somewhere. Right. And typically what you find is someone say, Oh yeah, go talk to Randy right quick and ask him if he can do this for you right quick. Right. And so I don't really care about Randy. I only care about what Randy can do for me to hurry up and get this done. And that's a common theme that we're finding a lot more, especially for that I'm finding a lot more as we're getting older, as I'm growing up and seeing that, you know, we're using people in ways in which are more transactional. And I can't understand you or get to know you if all you think I'm coming to you for is for a favor. And so being able to have a conversation where at the beginning of the conversation, we say, hey, look, I'm not coming to you with no ask. I'm not coming to you with a request. I just want you to bring your true, authentic self to the table. And that way we can have a true, genuine one on one relationship building exercise. I get to know you. I get to know your passions. I get to know your weaknesses. If you choose to tell me, I get to know things that you want to work on and vice versa. You can know the same thing about me. And then at some point down the line, if there's ways in which you know we can collaborate on stuff or if I can put you in positions where you're, you can be strong, then that's the best way forward. But I think right now, especially in the times we live in right now, people are so divided on things that they really don't know about. And if we can find ways to just communicate and to get to know one another, we find that we have truly like we have a lot of intersecting likes and dislikes, and we're a lot more common than we are uncommon. We're a lot more alike than we are, not alike. And so right, right now, you know, that exercise allowed me to to just get to know a lot more people in my community. and that's how we met, right And you know <laughs> I thought it was genuine. like we you know, we scheduled to meet for about. 30 minutes to an hour. And we ended up sitting in a coffee shop for an, uh, three hours. Just it was a know, long time. Yeah. And I talking, you know, Great talk. So I just I had a great time.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I think we are in a transactional economy of sorts. And I'm hoping that some of that changes, especially all around this whole pandemic, because people are having to not be so inclined to think about themselves, but also think about other people. You know, hence the whole mask issue and everything else that's going on. So I think it's, you know, we're kind of at as a society, we're we're at a point where we can really affect some real change. And part in my mind, part of that change being affected is doing things like what you're doing, which was just connecting with people just because and not out of some idea that you're going to get something in return. That whole quid pro quo. As I like to say, it's a, don't say it too fast, but I mean, you know, this idea of a tit for tat, it's just, it doesn't work. And I don't even think, you know, I don't think your grandparents operated that way. I know my grandparents didn't. As a matter of fact, I could remember stories of, you know, my grandmother would yell at my grandfather because, you know, he was always just bending over backwards for people and just giving of himself freely. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for that. And, you know, yeah, while you don't want to run yourself into the ground, people out there could use the help. And if you have some help to give, you should figure out a way to give it. And that's, that's what my grandfather used to always say to me. He's like, listen, if I can help somebody, I'm gonna help them. And you know what, Joe? I think that the interesting thing about that is that I don't think any of his kids nor any of his grandkids have ever wanted for anything because of his willingness and desire to help out his fellow man and woman. And so I think there is something to be said for that. And I think that's something that we should all be aspiring to because as we give of ourselves, to in the interest of helping others succeed and be successful we ourselves will be successful so and i don't want to get into a whole philosophical thing but you understand i mean you you get it and you Absolutely. experience that up close and personal so that in and of itself i think is a very interesting process and program that you did with the coffee and then At what point did you decide that, you know, I'm going to start this program, this organization, Build Community Through Love? Because you have an organization, you have a podcast, which I want to publicize here. And, you know, we'll certainly put all that information in the show notes so people can go listen to your podcast because I'm not the only guy out there podcasting. There are a lot of people podcasting. And I think folks that listen to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast should check out Joe's podcast. And listen to what he has to say, but at what point did you make the connection or the leap to build community through love? What was the for you? What was kind of like the spark that ignited
1: what you have now started? Yeah, you know, for sure. And uh, thanks for the plug, the, the shout out for the podcast. You know, a lot of things happened for me in this area back in 2015. I it was when my then girlfriend, now wife, is she moved up to Northwest Arkansas to be here full time. And I took her to Bice, and Barbecue, which for me was, <laughs> was always just turkey leg, funnel cake, and I go home. That was, my, that was my experience with it. From a historical standpoint, if you look back 2015, that was the year that the white guy went into the church in South Carolina and shot up the pastor and, his, and the other parishioners there during Bible yeah. study. Dylan um, at Roof. That, right. At that point, the, state, the Confederate flag was removed from the state house. And that summer of 2015, there was a lot of protesting in Northwest Arkansas with the overt display of the Confederate flag on people's cars in different windows and the like. People were driving up and down 49, just protesting the fact that the Confederate flag in South Carolina at the statehouse had been taken down in 2015. And so the Bikes, and Barbecue rally in 2015 was very overtly, at least from a display in an the eye standpoint, very racially tense. And I just kind of got fed up with the idea that Fayetteville could preach diversity, inclusion, equity, access, opportunity for every day of the year besides the six to seven days that the biker rally came into town. And so I talked about it when I did the keynote speech at the Martin Luther King vigil in 2016, that a city that prides itself on diversity would even allow something like this to happen. And then when I couldn't figure out ways to do anything To get that stuff to stop, me and a team put together a petition to say, We, you know, sign this if you don't want, you know, people at Bikes, Foods, and Barbecue to be able to display the flying of the Confederate flag. Long story short, the hashtag Build Community Through Love started in an effort to push out this petition to condemn the flying of the Confederate flag during a biker rally in a city that prides itself on wanting to be diverse, inclusive, and the like. So the hashtag just continued to grow from 2016 into an actual idea. And so when looking at Build Community Through Love, it has it's turned itself into an actual organization or an entity of sorts to grow community, to build community from a community development standpoint, from an economic standpoint, and then from education. I'm a real big student of the freedom movement as it started within the 1950s and 1960s and it continues to go along. And so the one thing that the shift that, you know, a bunch of scholars believe got Martin killed and Malcolm killed was the idea that we got to go from just wanting to be accepted in a community to being able to be and have a standalone economic system for black and poor folks. And it's important right now as we build community to make sure that we build from the standpoint of economic development because as my dad would say, you have to have three strong components of community in order to have a thriving community. You have to have a strong public sector, a strong private sector, and a strong governmental sector. When all those three bridges collide and each of them have mutually beneficial relationships, projects, and things going on, you have a strong community. But when one of those three branches aren't working effectively and aren't being allow a seat at the table, then you don't have a community that thrives. And so for a town like a Fayetteville that, you know, uh, between Fayetteville and Bentonville, like those are the two cities that people understand are Northwest Arkansas from looking outside. And so if Fayetteville can be, you know, rated the top five places to live, you know, year after year after year, one has to question, well, then why do we have nonprofits that are looking to do stuff to house people who can't find housing and are homeless? If Fayetteville is supposed to be the top five area places to live in the country, why do we have a bunch of nonprofits that are trying to fix in food insecurity? If, if this area is supposed to have you know the top company in the country, and sometimes even and for some folks in the world, how do we have people who are allowing their kids to go to bed hungry? And so there's things that we have to do, even when the press says that we're a great place to live, we still have work to do. And that work has to be and those three areas in education and educational reform and community development, as well as economic development. And that's the, the whole premises of Build Community Love.
0: I love that. I mean, I think that's great. And I don't think it's it's not necessarily a knock on Northwest Arkansas as much as it is a an acknowledgement that, you know, Northwest Arkansas is not perfect, just like any other place. Some other areas have even bigger problems than we have here. The one thing I will say that I have experienced, and again, this is my own personal experience, has been that there has been at least an acknowledgement and a movement of trying to rectify these situations. And then, of course, we had the pandemic come, which really messed us all up, of course. But the pandemic also did something, I think, which I guess you could say is good, which it really revealed some of the things that were just under the surface, especially Mm -hmm. with food insecurity, right? Because, I mean, we got people like Nate Walls from Secondhand Smoke barbecue running all over the place feeding everybody it. and their mother he's killing absolutely. it absolutely and but it it's because it's needed you know and you got a guy that's that's you know he now he's got people opening up their kitchens to him he's you know i mean he's he's spoken food 24/7 365 to make sure that no kid or no kids parents go to bed hungry especially for those that are struggling the most i mean we've lost like I don't know what the actual number is, but I heard something like 20,000 service jobs have been lost in this area. You know, these are the folks that are the glue. These, are, This is the WD-40 of, our, of Northwest Arkansas. They make things happen. They are the waiters, the waitresses. They are the people, the Uber drivers, the Lyft drivers, the people that get you back and forth when you need to get from the airport. I mean, all of these individuals are really struggling right now. And, and I think You know, of course, it's going to take a Herculean effort. It's not just one organization that's going to do it. But I really appreciate your ability to lend a voice to this problem and to come up, not just to say it and complain about it. Right. Because that's a lot of people just say, oh, this is wrong. This is wrong. You guys are doing this wrong. You people suck over here and all that. Instead of saying, you know what, how can we fix it? And I know that, that you have been working on it from that perspective. And I'd love for you just to kind of share with me your ideas and some of the things that you're thinking about doing and, and what you've proposed and maybe what you've done in the recent past, maybe since the pandemic, that has allowed your organization to make an impact.
1: No, absolutely. I know uh, there was something that we did because there's a small percentage of those in this area who are facing a double pandemic right now. You know, they're having to exist in a majority all white space you know, with being black in America, but also being black in Northwest Arkansas. And so after the killing of George Floyd, uh, there was a lot of my peers that said, you know, I'm still trying to make it at work. I mean, yeah, I'm on these Zoom calls. I'm in these Zoom meetings. I'm being asked to speak for the black race in my small group at work. And I'm just trying to get my stuff done and go home or I'm, I'm trying to get myself done and, and log off Zoom. And so we held a lunch and learn about just how to navigate the workplace right now during a double pandemic you know like and so we kind of we, we were able to put together a good panel discussion talking about mental health talking about you know how do we maintain our ability to you know continue to be successful and continue to deliver on the things that we're supposed to at work while still facing you know this this rise in the acknowledgement that black lives matter so we do things like that we partner with startup junkie to find ways to allow people to Continue to grow and continue to build. You know, right now during uncertain times, during a a COVID nineteen pandemic, a, a part of that is something that is in my dad's book, "Connecting for Change," um, as well as oh man, what was that book called? I forgot. Just like that, building a real church. No, nope, I forgot. Anyway, his first book. I I'll, I'll send it to you. so You can put it in, into the show notes. Okay, but he talks please. To, but he, he talks about he talks about just seeing the community and and observing and seeing assets and you know to stop and think about what assets do we already have and you know yes you have money as a resource but don't just think of money as the only resource let's look at all the different assets we have in this area and so right now we're just kind of doing an asset check you know throughout northwest arkansas through again you know having a relationship with the people i had uh, 100 cups of coffee with being able to converse with them I mean, just looking at things that we can tackle one one at a time. A big thing we're looking to tackle is voting. Pre-pandemic, the idea for us was to try to rent out trucks because we understand that right now there is an issue with people actually physically getting to polls to be able to to cast their vote. With the pandemic right now, you know, are people going to be comfortable getting into a car? Is a a driver going to be comfortable, you know, taking somebody to the polls? So now we got to think, you know, if the whole mail-in system here does not work, or it's not going to be in play like we would hope it would be, you know, how are we getting people to and from the polls so folks still can cast their vote? Um, and so those are just a couple of things that we're trying to use as we build and as we grow. I mean, we're only really about about six to eight months old, but we're just trying to find ways to be relevant in this community as well as in the community nationally.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the whole vote thing because I know you and I have kind of spoken offline about that, and and I guess you know, we've got an election coming up on November 3rd. And I think everybody, I don't care what side of, your, of the aisle you're on, everybody needs to vote. And everybody that is concerned about maybe, you know, getting COVID or something, because there's a lot of people, because I've heard arguments say that, oh, well, people can stand and wait on the line if they can go to Walmart and what have you. But there are actually a lot of people that haven't left their house since this whole pandemic has happened. Yeah. And I get that, you know, and, and I'm totally, i listen, I don't want to catch COVID just like the rest of us. So, You know, I think we need to be mindful of that. And that's part of that, you know, having some empathy for other people and what they're dealing with. So I certainly want to encourage everybody that's listening here. I think you have until October 7th or 8th to get all of your information. in if you haven't registered to vote, to be able to vote in the general election of November 3rd, which would include obviously is the presidential election for everybody here in the United States. And I think it's just important that We take the time to do that. And if somebody needs help, I've just noticed lately that everybody and their mother is posting information about where to go to get registered or where to go to apply so that you can get a mail in mail in voting and do all that stuff. And, you know, like I said, I don't try to get into a real political conversation on this podcast because there's enough podcasts and programs out there to talk yeah, politics all day long. So mm-hmm. the last thing I want to do, the, the thing I want to focus on is some of the things that I believe are our civic duties. And I just like to highlight them. And I think voting is one of them. And, and I really want to encourage everybody listening to this, everybody that's taking part of this podcast, and, or if you've listened to it at any point in time, I really want to encourage you to, to get out and vote. Your vote does matter and it does make a difference. And make sure that you have the information and whatever we can provide through our show notes, we will put it up there so that you guys can see for this particular episode with Joe, you can see where to go uh, maybe to get your uh, get your stuff taken care of and make sure that you're fully registered and that that your vote counts. So
1: absolutely. Yeah. And, and then, by the way, I just remember the book while you were talking. It's oh, begging, sure. It's begging for real church by Dr. Joseph W. Daniels, Jr. OK. And your
0: dad has pastored a church for how long? And uh, is it physically in D.C. or is it in so is it in Maryland?
1: It's physically in D.C. You driven past it if you went to Howard. Of course. Uh, it is the Emory Fellowship. It is off of Georgia and Quacken Boss. Um, oh, yeah. If you know where Nativity Church is or Red Church down Georgia Avenue as you're driving into Maryland. It's the church up on a hill with columns. It's diagonal from the police station and the radio towers right next to it. I know so where you that is. Past I know, it, I yeah. Know,
0: yeah, I definitely know where it is. So yeah. um, he's yeah. uh, he's
1: pastored there for, I'm 29. He's pastored there for 28 years this past wow. July.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Man. That's my family. Now, now you're making me feel old because I guess what 28 years ago, what I was just. Twenty. Never mind. (laughs) I was just getting out of Howard University. I was there probably when you were born, but but that's a story for another day. But uh, no, no, that that's it's all good. DC DC has a very special place in my heart. I have family there, and you know, like you, I I I certainly uh, hold that that's a special city. So definitely excited to hear that, and I'll be sure to share those books, both of those books that you mentioned, connecting for change and. Begging for Real Church, both of those books by your father. We'll be sure to put those in the show notes in case anybody wants to get them. And I'll find the, um, are they on Amazon? Can you get them through Amazon? Amazon. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. So when is your
1: book coming out, Joe? Man, you know, not not to put you on blast, but I mean, real talk, real talk. (laughs) And uh, I've been trying to find ways to like to make the content of the book real. And so it's not just, you know, super fictional, but. I'm looking to come out with the notes that I had from my 100 cups of coffee and looking to put that into a, into a manuscript. I'm also doing something starting out here in the next couple of weeks, a segment on my podcast called, Do Dreams Have Zip Codes? And I want to write a, I want to write a book about that. Cause, uh, the more and more I, I do my own studies of housing from the 50s and 60s throughout looking at redlining, looking at the experiences of, those who have been consumed and caught up in the in the school to prison pipeline and just understanding, you know, friends here who grew up in Little Rock and who are now up here in Northwest Arkansas, you know, I, I never had to worry about not being able to dream and live out a dream. But sure. For those who, you know, are only, you know, for those whose life, you know, their life expectancy is 25, what do your dreams look like? Exactly. And so being able to just kind of, you know, get a, over the next- 30 to 40 episodes, being able to just get a bunch of anecdotal experiences of, you know, where are you from? What zip code are you from? And then, you know, what was what were the levels of dreams that you could even find yourself dreaming in the zip code that you had? And then be able to determine, you know, are, is housing, education, and dreams, are they, do they all play a role in each other? And so I'm looking to just kind of do a deep dive in that and just study, you know, how, how are we providing kids, not just with the access for school and education, But how are we providing people with the ability and the opportunity and the permission to have dreams bigger than they could ever imagine based on what they see on a regular day?
0: Oh, I love that. I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, that's that's I think that's that's an important conversation. And and I'm sure you're going to get a wide and varied response from people that, you know, have had different experiences as far as that's concerned. So I think that'll be exciting. So, I I mean, I just like the title, Do Dreams Have Zip Codes? So that's cool. Did you ever see The Banker?
1: No, but you didn't see the banker. There.
0: Yeah. You need to check that out. That's with, um, I think Samuel Jackson and it's a story about redlining in LA and, uh, it was on Apple plus and, uh, it's a really, really good, really, really good take on that whole issue and how a couple of people used, it's just a really, really interesting story, but it, it tells a story about how a couple of black bankers used a partner that they had that was actually a white guy as the straw buyer for their real estate so that they could purchase real estate because otherwise them going to purchase it was not going to happen in 1950s LA and they had a, a great amount of success doing that unfortunately and, and yeah, I mean it's, it's you know part of the history of our country and it's, it, it actually, I don't know that, I mean it's, I would imagine it's still happening now in some ways, it may not be as overt as it was in the past. But yeah, it, it is certainly, um, you know, I think that's one of the refreshing things that I've experienced as being here is I have not been, you know, directed to one place or another. And and uh, that's one, that's definitely one good thing I have to say for, for Northwest Arkansas, for sure, is that I have felt welcome wherever I have been. I've not been a place here, but I also understand that there are other people that look like me that may not share that same sentiment. So I do understand that. I'm not, this Pollyanna that thinks that everything's perfect. I'm just saying I have felt welcomed here since I've been here. And that's, you know, because people say, well, why are you still in Northwest Arkansas? And I'm like, oh, I really like it here. The people are great. I've made some great friends like yourself and so many others. And I think it's a good place to raise children. But is it perfect? No, no place is perfect. So I mean I could go on and on about that. But you know, you I think we each are it's incumbent upon us to make where we are the reality that we want to see. And each and every one of us has to play a part in that. It's not just, you know, Asa Hutchinson can't do it. He's just the governor. I mean, honestly, he's just the governor. It takes everybody in a natural state to make the natural state a great place. So, you know, it's, it's something that we're, I think we're all working towards. Absolutely. Yeah. So, man, anything before we, we close out that you'd like to share? Anything that you're reading or anything that has really moved you lately? I mean, I know a lot's going on. There's a lot of stuff just going on in society right now but how are, you, how are you maintaining running this organization and working a, a regular full-time job? I mean, how is that working out?
1: Well, it's a challenge. I spent from 1995 to 2018, I was in school. And so having to move from a, a school lifestyle, especially in college when you know, if you're done taking classes and you're just doing research, you kind of have the days to do all you, <laughs> everything that you want. The only thing, the only right. reason why, you know, having 100 cups of coffee f- kind of fell through is because people don't want to drink coffee after they get off work.
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs>
1: so right. the concept of asking if somebody wants to go drink coffee, unless it's on like a Saturday morning, it's just like, man, I am I got soccer practice. I got this, I got that. So, you know, that was a challenge. But right now it's just I had a podcast interview On my podcast with uh, a good friend of mine, his name is Marcel Jackson. He's doing big things in the community up in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, The two of us met through Nesby at uh, North Carolina Auntie. But he said, "Man, if if you have the passion for it and you just want to do it, you just got to do it. And so there is no excuse anymore. If you want to do it, you do it. You find time to do it. And so at this point, you know, I I feel as though I have a heart for the community. I'm still trying to reconnect and get every and get things moving again in this area." But I mean, again, like there's no excuse to do it or not to do it. If you want to do it, you get it done. And so that means long nights and trying to figure some things out. That's what it means. But I'm excited. I mean, I think someone said, you know, 2020, you know, not being what we all imagined it to be when- uh, <laughs> Yeah, the year right. of vision. <laughs> <laughs> the year so of vision <laughs> became the year of the plague. So, yeah. So, so you know, I'm just happy that, you know, we are we're, we are at a space where, you know, this is going to be our inflection point. And so those who have kids, those who are having kids, those who are growing up, you know, this is this is when our kids and grandkids are going to be able to look back on us and say, you know, what did you do in a time such as this uh, Mm -hmm. to move the country forward? And I try not to look so macro, because when you look macro, you get consumed by the power that you think you don't have. And so that's why it's not built the country through love It's build community through love. And so everything we have to do has to be centered and focused around the community level. I mean, that could be as small as your house. That could be as large as, you know, this entire Northwest Arkansas area as you're tackling yourself. And so we just have work to do, but, you know, at this point, you know, find out exactly what your superpower is and start to live in your superpower because we all need each and every person in the community to be able to make the effective change that we're looking to make.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. I like that. Find out what your superpower is and start living in your superpower. (laughs) That's good, man. So tell me as we close, where do you and your wife like to go eat when you, when you do go out to eat or before the pandemic? I mean, you know, I mean, uh, the one thing I've told people about Northwest Arkansas is that we have great restaurants. We have great places to go hike. Some of the best mountain biking trails in the country. Do you bike at all or?
1: I have one now. Uh, okay. okay. I, I haven't biked effectively, but I, I have jogged on the trails, though.
0: I will say that. Okay. Okay. Now, that's cool. So, yeah, I think... So, so, you like trail jogging. So, what about good restaurants in the area? Because you're up in the Rogers-Bentonville area. So I am.
1: I am up this way. I know before the pandemic, we were starting to go to Marabella's table a lot over there okay. in the Pinnacle Hills area. But to be honest, man, just still kind of having that College lifestyle, just not. Really yeah. Known. But we, we visit and patron different areas because for, for my wife, she, she only likes to really have stuff like two or three times and then she's ready for a change. So change. Yeah. She's, she's the one that likes to experiment with different food options. I'm the one that's super habitual. So <laughs> you can almost bank on if you know it's lunchtime, you can probably count three or four places that I'll be. So I should probably change it up. So if anybody's three right. food, they can't find <laughs> me.
0: <laughs> I love that. So, that's funny. So. No, I, that's good. I, I know Mirabella's table and, and, um, you know, I think with your wife's challenge, it's not really a challenge because here in Northwest Arkansas, there's so many places to choose from that you could literally go out every day and try something different. So,
1: but I like um, to plug, uh, is it Kinsley's food truck? Okay. I think it is. Yeah. Like I like to plug that food truck. Cause I'll, I'll go there if I want some wings. So I'd definitely go there. Uh, okay. and, now, and more than anything, I'm, very ecstatic that we have the uh, Black on NWA page because they're opening yeah. a lot and, and they're making visible the places out here that that we can eat and we can patron a lot a lot easier to be able to know that that they exist and they're here. So we've been oh, we've been using them as our Yelp kind of uh, mm-hmm. to see what's here and make sure we go out. And then for another plug, right quick, my father has a group of six and uh, all pastors and. They have made every Friday for the rest of the year Black Friday. And so they're pushing out to their congregations and to their community at large to say, you know, on Fridays, we're going to, we're going to buy Black. And so that is to answer the question, how do white folks, how can white people help the Black community? Yeah. And so every Friday now, you know, I'm pushing to find a place to eat or if I need to buy something, I'm pushing to go there, especially on Friday to make sure that I continue to circulate my black dollars in my black community.
0: Yeah, no, and that's that's true. And, and, and I've said it on this podcast, 441,000 black businesses have shuttered since the pandemic started and they will never open again. And um, that's a real number. So, you know, and listen, a lot of businesses are affected. We had Jose's on this podcast and his business is affected. He has not opened up the inside of his restaurant. He's only seating people on the patio and doing takeout. And he's also selling a a whole lot of sanitizer. But I mean, his business has fundamentally been changed. So I mean, I want to see people support all businesses, but you're absolutely right, especially for those Black-owned businesses that are are local in this area. Check out Black-Owned NWA to find out about all the different Black businesses. They featured me on their Instagram about a week ago, which I was really appreciative of. And I had a chance to tell my story and to talk about the podcast and everything that I'm doing. And you know, I just think it's great that so many people are stepping up to help out black owned businesses, black and white individuals are doing this. So I think it's huge. And and again, that's part of the whole community, right? Because community is not a color. Community is, we're all part of that community. So, so I really want to encourage that type of participation, but I appreciate you sharing that, Joe. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and just taking some time out of your busy schedule to meet with me and, and to talk. And, and I hope everybody listening got something out of what Joe shared. And again, I like what he said, find out what your superpower is and start living in your superpowers. So as they say in the church community, that will preach. <laughs> so <you> know, <laughs> that, will, that will preach. So thank you so much, Joe, for coming on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks
1: for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Well, folks, there you go. Another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Again, we are endeavoring to bring you the best of the best that Northwest Arkansas has to offer. And certainly, uh, Joe Daniels is a prime example of that. We thank you for listening to our podcast on a regular basis. As you know, we come out every Monday. Please check us out wherever great podcasts can be found and leave us a review. We would love to get a rating and a review on iTunes or anywhere that you listen to the podcast. Let us know what you think. What you like, what you don't like. We got a review a couple of weeks ago from a guy that just took a job with one of the the big three here in Northwest Arkansas. And we were so blown away by what he shared with us because he said that our podcast was the reason which really helped him cement his decision to come to this area because of what it represents. And we couldn't have done it without all of you listening to this podcast, without all the guests like Joe and so many others that we've had on the show. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We're going to continue to keep this going. I'm going to continue to press record. And, you know, we're going to make this happen here in Northwest Arkansas by hook or by crook. So um, thank you so much. And uh, that's all we have for you this week. We will see you next week. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this
1: episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or
0: more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.